mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is it normal to feel really horny? Is it normal for your ankles to swell up? Is it normal to be incredibly out of breath? Is it normal that my nipples hurt so much? Is it normal to be obsessed with bechamel sauce? Hello and welcome to Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast with me, Jessie Ware. This podcast follows my pregnancy journey and with the help of some amazing experts is here to reassure you and inform you about all aspects of pregnancy and giving birth. In this episode, I'll be joined by London sonographer Kate Richardson to talk about everything you can expect at your 12-week scan. But first, I'll be catching up with obstetrician and gynaecologist Jess McMicking to talk about some of the symptoms you might be experiencing at this stage in the pregnancy. Jess McMicking, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me again. So 12 to 14 weeks, this is quite a milestone in pregnancy because this is usually the time that they are going to get their scan. So this will be the first time that they see if there's a baby in there that is cooking and is viable and is, and they're going to see it and they're going to get that ultrasound picture and see whether it's a goer. So Jess, firstly, for me, I'm actually not going to be getting my scan this week because I am 13 weeks and I have unfortunately been told to self-isolate because I came into contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID. So hopefully by the time this comes out, people, the <laughs> COVID will be a long forgotten thing. But so I'm unfortunately not going to be able to have the scan. Now, this is the first time that it's happened to me, but because it's a 10 day isolation, it actually takes me over the time frame of being scanned in my NHS hospital for the nuchal screening, because I will be past 14 weeks and three days when I get out of the 10 days. So I'm going to miss out on the nuchal screening and they have now changed it to be a, it's going to be called a quadruple screening. Now, I guess it's quite unusual that this has happened. It's a bit of sod's law. I'm a bit gutted about it. But what is the difference between, well, firstly, let's talk about the screening and what you're looking at um, or the sonographer's looking at in that first kind of 12 to 14 week ultrasound appointment yeah so what they look at so in that first um it's what we call a combined first trimester screening test uh, and we 
performed that amazing ultrasound. Now they've changed the rules so the partner and the woman can all be there to see their little baby, um, which is fantastic. Uh, it's amazing what they can see on this scan. But in particular, what they're actually looking at is what we call the nuchal fold or nuchal thickness, which is a thickness of skin at the back of the baby's neck. And that can be raised um, in certain uh, conditions associated with chromosomal problems. So, for instance, obviously the most common one that we would all know would be Down syndrome. When they also do that scan, uh, what they're also doing is confirming your due date. So often across a lot of the hospitals in the United Kingdom, we use what's called the crown rump length measurement at that 12-week scan to confirm the due date um, for your baby. As part of this screening test, what they also then do is, of course, a very personal question, but they ask what your age is. And they use that too um, in calculating your risk of having a pregnancy associated by common trisomy problems. And that's trisomy 13, 18 and 21, 21 being Down syndrome. In addition, and you, you may recall from your previous pregnancies, they'll take a blood test from you um, and they'll look at your beta-HCG level and your PAPE, which is a protein level in the placenta. And all of those combined will then produce your risk um, for trisomy 13, 18, 21. Now, with you, it was a little bit unfortunate, but I'm glad you've admitted to everyone that you played by the rules um, and that you, <laughs> you didn't break yeah. the COVID rules and you went and had your quadruple test done instead of the first trimester. The reason that test is slightly different is because it's a little bit uh, further along in that pregnancy. So what they need to do is take slightly different um, blood test results um, as a result so that they can perform an accurate screening for those trisomies. So that's, that, that's basically the key difference between those is just a little bit tweaking um, on the bloods that they're looking at. And Without getting too technical, it's sort of looking at a different array of bloods. Um, and, but overall, what that will do is produce your risk of having um, a baby associated by the common chromosomal disorders. You may have heard of a, another screening test that we call the non-invasive prenatal testing or the Harmony test. Yeah. And I, I guess, was, were you ever offered a test such as that in this instance? Or So I know that it can be offered in NHS hospitals. They didn't offer it to me. So I have booked him for a Harmony test. But I do believe that in some hospitals they will offer the Harmony test. But unfortunately, in my one, they don't. So I'm going to go and pay for it privately. And it's it's a bit spenny. It's quite expensive. <laughs> um, I'm lucky to be able to afford it, but also unlucky that I had to pay for it when I could have just done the free one at NHS. But it's so be it. I kind of like to be as reassured as possible. And But please explain to everyone what the Harmony test is as an option. So the Harmony test, um, some call it the SAFE test, some call it the non-invasive prenatal testing. It's a relatively new test on the scene. And I think, Jesse, what you've raised is actually a few key pointers from it. So first of all, it comes at a price to the majority of people. It's actually not necessarily going to be free and accessible by all. Um, Mm. This is the same where um, I grew up in Australia and we often used to have a joke with my friends that it was the price of a really good pregnancy handbag you know if you had the harmony test there was no way you're going to buy your handbag Um, but it it comes with that additional reassurance that some women want and so it's a completely personal choice now what this test does is it's non-invasive and it's actually just a blood test so the mother will come along she'll have a blood test done 
and she can have it done from 10 weeks. Um, the reason it's just a blood test is what this blood test does is it picks up on your baby's DNA in your blood. And so that's how it's built. And that's why you can only have it from a certain amount of time because you obviously need a little bit of your baby's DNA floating around your circulation. What it tests for is obviously those common trisomy problems again. Um, and actually for Down syndrome itself, it's, it, it's said to be a more sensitive test for screening for that versus the other one. There are pros and cons of each. And I think, you know, this is one of those things that it, it, it'll be up to you and your partner, you know, talking them through, you know, how you feel about that. But yes, it's an additional thing that is available today. And obviously this is going to happen in the future. More and more things become available and it'll be up to the individual for what, whether or not you want to proceed. Yes, yeah, see, I, I'd never done it in any of the other pregnancies, but this one I will and so be it. And, you know, I hear it's one of those ones also that it, it can tell you the sex of the baby, even at 12 weeks. Yes. And it, it's kind of, it, it can tell a lot in this blood test. It's, and it goes to America, I think. <laughs> but maybe that's why it costs so much. Uh, <laughs> You're paying for the FedEx. Uh, yeah, so it, it can tell the gender of the baby and it can pick up on sex-linked disorders, although they're very, very rare, but it could do that. Yes, yes. Um, now, on to symptoms. So this week, I felt really blue and I don't know whether it's the weather, I don't know whether it's the current situation in the world, probably a bit of both, but I've just felt so deflated and I couldn't really get out of it and I... Hey, maybe it was the the um, discovery that I wasn't going to be able to have my scan, a bit of that. I, I, you know, there's so much you're working towards this 12-week moment where, you know, you feel like you've been waiting so long for this thing. And but So I felt deflated about that, but my energy is still really low and I just felt slightly blue. And I I was aware of it, but I just wondered, you know, energy levels when will they be expected to kind of pick up because we always hear about the pregnancy glow in the second trimester and actually pregnant women are about to enter into the second trimester when does it start and is there I don't know I'm it's quite an understandable thing to be feeling kind of mixed emotions at this stage of the pregnancy yeah, I think we really underestimate the pressure that is evolved at that time, you know, whether it's from eight weeks, whether it's 12 weeks. I think a lot of women undergo or feel that pressure right up until that 20 week mark, you know, when they have that detailed scan and they know things are, are good. I think what we also underestimate is, you know, in that first trimester, hormones can be running wild. Some women get acne. Some, you know, just don't feel themselves. They don't look pregnant. So people think they're overweight. You know, it, it, all those things contribute to a mood. Um, and, and especially if this is compounded by COVID and the weather, um, it, it's quite easy to feel like this. Uh, I, I think when do people get that pregnancy glow? I really think it comes a little bit later on. Um, and I don't know how to make things better or to make women feel better. But I would just say hang in there. You know, I think, you know, sometimes your symptoms of hyperemesis might go away. You know, you might feel a lot more energy soon once you can work out what you eat, what you can't eat. And, you know, you're getting a bit more into the swing of things. You know, you feel potentially maybe you feel a bit more safer to go and do some exercise as well because you've gotten further along in your pregnancy. 
I think all that does come. Um, and it, it's a tricky time, this period. It's um, for such a small little thing to be going on inside the body still, it is a tricky time. You just mentioned exercise and I don't think we've really talked about exercise that much. And it's actually something that I think probably at this point, you know, you have this kind of weird bloated belly that kind of just looks like you've had too much fun over Christmas and too many mince pies. And it's not that kind of satisfying bump yet. It's not great for outfits either. It's kind of this weird transition bit. Also during COVID, there's so much time on your own and not being able to have necessarily that support of women going to a pregnancy yoga class at the moment, things like that, where actually they can be really quite relaxing and you can all talk about your symptoms together and kind of understand that it, you're not alone. But coming on to exercise. Now, it's kind of, uh, if you go on Google, it's recommended that you don't exercise too strenuously in the first trimester because there may be added risk of miscarriage. Now, I'm lucky enough to have an exercise bike, a Peloton, and there's this amazing uh, instructor called Robin on it who's pregnant at the moment. I think she's really changed my mind about how much you can kind of go for it if you're at a level of fitness. Mm. But can you just take us through... When does it start becoming a little bit safer to maybe start reintroducing a bit of a tougher workout or maybe not tougher, but just something that's not just a walk? <laughs> the walk that we're all doing at the oh, moment. Yeah. Uh, so actually, you know, exercise the whole way is, is safe. And I think this is a myth that a lot of people, you know, don't realise. It's basically tweaking what you're doing mm -hmm. exercise-wise. There's a few important things to remember with exercise in pregnancy. So first and foremost, you know, initially onwards, what you obviously want to avoid is overheating your body too okay. much. So I think that's where, you know, people tend to tone it down just a little bit. You know, no one's running their half marathon or doing the cycle to Brighton. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just toning it down a little bit because obviously what they don't want to do is raise their body temperature too much. Can you explain why you wouldn't want to raise your body temperature too much? So if one uh, raises their body temperature excessively, and this is, you know, if you're running a marathon, so it's that, that sort of temperature type um, raise, it can be associated with having a miscarriage. And that's something that has come out. It's, it's in a similar mechanism to if you got really sick with a, a really bad virus in that first trimester. Having a really high temperature can unfortunately you know, cause a pregnancy um, to miscarry. So that's the connection with excessive exercise. From a, a, a point of view of Pilates or yoga, you can actually continue to do them um, in your first trimester. What you have to be mindful of, and this might be something that you may or may not be familiar with, is the abdominal separation or those rectus muscles on your tummy. And actually what you're encouraged not to do in that first trimester is not do any planks or sit-ups or anything like that that can encourage um, that separation of your muscles. And for those that may not necessarily know what the hell I'm talking about, um, if you Google abdominal separation, you'll see, you know, an anatomy picture of, you know, a woman's abdomen and these muscles that run longitudinally. And what you don't want is that ligament that sort of runs in the middle of them to loosen and sort of stretch um, and cause what we call separation. We know that exercise, though, is safe and it's just doing it in moderation. It's similar to eating, really. <laughs> well, I say as I uh, reach for my biscuit, uh, but my one biscuit of this hour. Um, are there any foods that are particularly good to be eating right now for energy, for kind of 
maybe feeling slightly more satisfied because I know that you know a lot of people talk about carbs being their friend in that first trimester we're coming near to the end of the trimester hopefully the sickness is subsiding for the majority of the people that did have nausea um so maybe we're stepping away from the white toast and pasta and rice that maybe is all you could stomach before um yeah are there any particular foods that are really good to be eating right now so coming from uh, i guess one who's always been very pro nutrition i would say do your best to maintain a very healthy and varied diet and with that i would just be mindful of you know avoiding foods that have that refined sugar or carbohydrates. So yes, they're our favorite foods of course because they give us that hit of energy when we need it. But actually what you're going to find is your body will take it in, you know, give you that hit and then it'll just drop off. And that's, you know, foods that have that high glycemic index. Of course though, you know, we do crave them or we may crave crave other types of food. And I think it's once again important just to listen to your body because actually if you are feeling hungry, I'm sure there is some sort of healthy alternative um, to that chocolate bar or, you know, it might be a cup of blueberries instead. But they may still, believe it or not, give you, you know, that spark or that energy that you need that you're craving as well. Um, I remember the last time I was pregnant that my friend sent me a thing that was a kind of, uh, it was like a spreadsheet of, if you have a craving for chocolate, it means that you are lacking magnesium. So I was like, well, yeah, I must be lacking magnesium because I am loving the chocolate. But leading on to magnesium, now I don't know if that's a total myth, but leading on to magnesium, now this is, I don't know, it's a symptom that... I've had later in both pregnancies, we know that lots of women um, suffer from it, leg cramps. And particularly at the end of the day, before you're going to bed, and you just can't get rid of that cramp. Why is that happening? And what's causing it? Yes, leg cramps, we get a lot of, um, I guess, questions about, but also that tingling or that pins and needles type sensation. So we've got leg cramps to start with. So actually in pregnant or non-pregnant people, leg cramps can be associated with sort of a lack of magnesium. It's actually quite interesting to see what foods contain magnesium because if you're on your multivitamin tablet, that's going to have an element of magnesium in it. Sports drinks can also have magnesium as well. And so it's quite easy then to correct it without you know chugging down magnesium supplements um, from the pins and needles perspective so how that mechanism evolves and that's something that also tends to develop onwards is your tissue becomes a lot more you know edematous or swelling and your, your blood flows around your body just that little bit slower especially towards the end of pregnancy and so it, it's quite easy um, to get pins and needles what also happens with that is your your nerves get a little bit squashed by other things um, and that's where that develops. So it's quite you know common you might wake up in the night having a dead arm or something like that, but that's that pins and needles um, that's occurring. I guess it's similar in a way to the, the magnesium pains that you get too. Um, now on to something else that happens at night, sleeping, well, or lack of. Sleeping, which side can you sleep on? Because (laughs) I've always been told that it is the left side. And when do you have to stop sleeping on your back? It's actually any side you can sleep on. So left or right. (laughs) What? That's a new thing. Because in 2016 with my first baby, it was like, do not be on the right because there is a 
vein and it's gonna block off the has something changed it's either side yeah traditionally they've said the left side but in actual fact either side is fine now and i think the important thing is is if you can sleep on your side and whatever side works you just go for it because what you're actually doing by sleeping on your side is you're ensuring that your uterus or your womb and therefore your baby receives all the blood flow that it needs um, and, and that's the most important thing is, you know, not lying directly on your back where your big tummy is going to compress your main vessels. Um, it's difficult to know when do you start doing this, because I know a lot of women have a lot of trouble with trying to encourage their bodies to sleep on their side. And you know, some of us sleep on our tummies, some of us love sleeping on our backs. It's sort of, I guess, from where we like you to do that is within this second trimester period, okay? Because we do know, okay. you know, back in first trimester, your baby was the size of a pea and then it was something else. And we know actually that, you know, that compression of the blood vessel doesn't necessarily going to cause any harm. If you can start sleeping on your side from second trimester, that's definitely a win or a tick. And of course, that then leads into third trimester where it becomes much, much more important. Sleeping on your side, you know, the scary thing, and that's something that we all know, is there is association with women that sleep on their back and, and ending up with a stillbirth for, you know, other reasons. And that's more further down the track. But, of course, sleeping on your side this early is a good thing. And I recommend getting a sleeping uh, a pregnancy pillow. They take up half the uh, bed, but they are really <laughs> fantastic. And yeah. your husband or your partner will want to wrap their legs around the pregnancy pillow too it becomes quite uh, a kind of a member of, of the bed and the bedroom because it takes up basically the whole bed hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So our friends at the Positive Birth Company have been really helpful with helping us get women to tell us some of their symptoms week by week. And this particular voice note comes from a, a lady called Nikki, who is about to tell you one of her symptoms and hopefully you can answer. Hi, my name's Nikki Thomas and I am 14 weeks pregnant. I guess my question is, you always hear about all the 
the bad things to do with pregnancy, the nausea, um, the sickness, all of that sort of stuff. And for me, and I also know a few other mums or mums-to-be, we haven't experienced any of that. And while we are so, so grateful and so, so lucky that we are um, feeling fine through the first stages of pregnancy, the flip side of it is, like, how do we know that we're okay? Because we're always told the scary things. Sometimes we're just not told the good news stories and being lucky enough to not feel anything um, and feel sickness or anything like that. So I suppose the question is, you know, how do we know that we're okay? And do we need to stop worrying because we're only told the bad stuff? I can picture Nikki in my head. She's got this pregnancy glow already. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's Nikki is around glowing. The park. <laughs> she's, yeah, Nikki is She's doing glowing. the half marathon. Nikki's eating whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Nikki, it's it's a really um, good. Uh, I, I guess it's, it's a nice nice story to hear because she is right. You know, you don't hear of these lovely stories of people that are just whisking their way through into the second trimester. Um, some women just their bodies actually, despite having that pregnancy hormone that more commonly gives you that nausea and vomiting, they actually can just tolerate it well, and it's actually not telling the vomiting centers in their head, oh, you know, you need to feel sick and whatnot. So you don't have to have hyperemesis, you don't have to have morning sickness, you know, you don't have to feel tired. All of those things actually, you know, it's not saying you're doing anything wrong either. Your body's probably just tolerating it really well. I think the other thing is we know that pregnant women and maybe it's just women generally we we can compensate really well i mean we could use this as an example of when a woman gets the flu versus a man gets the flu you know that that's a difference we don't need to go into too much but women you know some women in their pregnancy compensate really well like they um when they wake up in the day they've got the energy um we know that they've got a little bit more blood flowing around their body now because they've got a baby that's growing. And that's obviously therefore providing their cells with enough oxygen, with enough energy. Um, and that's just enough to get them going. I guess it's well, what can you do to reassure yourself everything is okay? What's a really good time? And this is the time where everyone, no matter what type of care you're receiving within the NHS, is that you will have an appointment. So this is the time where, you know, you get to meet your midwife, um, you get to see a clinician, and this is, this is where you can get reassurance. You know, there are places where you can get a reassurance scan or, you know, you just speak to your midwife and say, look, I'm really concerned. It's really important that you voice your concerns because someone at the end of the day will always be there to help you talk you through it and do something to provide reassurance that everything is okay with your pregnancy. And would it be even if you rung up your midwife, because you would have probably had your 10 week um, appointment with them and just said, listen, could could I come in and do a pregnancy test? Could could we just, uh, would, is that something that they would do just to reassure instead of having to, you know, go and do the viability scan before the 12 weeks? I, I think ev- everyone who works within healthcare is a human being. So at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we're all here to care for you and to look out for you. If someone was really concerned and they spoke to their midwife or whether it was an obstetrician or a GP, you know, we're going to reach out to you in some form or another and work out how it is that we can provide reassurance from an obstetrician point of view obviously we know we have a skill set where we can scan you okay and that's something that we can do from a midwifery point of view it may be thinking 
you know, what can actually she do to ensure you that things are okay? Um, and, and that you are right. It might be something such as, you know, producing a pregnancy hormone or something like that, that, that might give you that reassurance. Um, but that's something that one will be able to talk to their midwife or clinician that they see about. I think a big thing to remember is not everyone will feel pregnant. And that actually may be, you know, right at the start into their second trimester, you know, even third trimester. I know, yes, it's a little bit more obvious what's in front of you, but actually you you may not, you know, wake up and want to go, oh, oh, I'm pregnant today. That's completely normal. It doesn't mean to say anything bad has happened. It's a very natural part of pregnancy to feel like this. And Nikki raises a good point. And actually, if you spoke to your wider group of friends, I'm sure there's a lot more people out there, um, such as Nikki as well, that feel like this. So on to the fetus. What is going on with baby at 12 to 14 weeks? So the baby, I mean, you could Google this and find an array of different measurements. But what they say is the baby is now sort of, you know, seven-ish centimetres. And what they describe it as is sort of like a a small ripe peach, um, (laughs) which is the most common thing that I've seen at this time. By this stage, actually, the baby has developed a lot of its key organs. Now, the the skeleton is mainly made of cartilage, so it's still sort of a squishy type thing, but everything is there, so much to the point where actually that baby can start sucking its thumb, um, is what some people do say. Wow. Well, also by this stage is the baby has started developed or has developed its sex organs. Um, And that, you know, obviously becomes apparent when, as you said before, with one of the tests, they can determine the gender. Um, So although it's difficult to see on the 12 week scan, the baby has decided what gender it wants to be at this point. Things are happening. Things are building. Those building blocks are really going. Um, And from here, what we find is sort of a baby's around 25 grams. And so we can see that obviously this exponential growth is ahead. Jess McMicking, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time and expert advice on weeks 12 to 14. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. So I thought it would be really interesting to hear from someone who actually does the job and knows what's going on when you're going to your scan. So I have sonographer Kate Richardson here to have a chat about what they're looking for in that 12 to 14 week scan. Hi Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Hi there Jessie, thank you for inviting me. Such a pleasure. Now Kate, usually we've talked about it in previous episodes but some people may come for a viability scan earlier on and that when's that usually that people are going to the viability scan? Lots of people come between six and eight weeks. Six weeks can be a little bit early because if there's a few days difference with your conception date, sometimes it can cause a bit of concern if the little item's measuring a bit smaller. So if you just want a viability scan just to check that everything's okay, eight weeks is really nice because by then baby's developing nicely, lovely little heartbeat and just developing little limb buds and sometimes you can see them wiggling, which is really cute. So, <laughs> so eight weeks is nice. <laughs> so so by 12 to 14 weeks, we're Mm -hmm. the majority of women are going to be going for their first scan what are you looking for what are you hoping to see in that scan when we first put the ultrasound probe on the first thing that we're doing is we're checking that a pregnancy is inside the womb where it should be then we're doing a head count and a heartbeat count so we're going to check if there's one two or three um not not (laughs) often there's three but just in case so we have a good look around and so the first thing the sonographer does is a sweep through checking so the baby's in the womb where it should be nice strong heartbeat Then we check baby's anatomy and lots of detail. So 
With us sonographers, because we scan so often, we can tell what a baby looks like between six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, before even measuring and looking. And at 12 weeks, they look really distinctive. So you can check the head and brain to check that the brain's developing well and the cranium's formed correctly around the brain. That lets us know that you've been a good girl and taken all your folic acid and done what, what, what you must <laughs> do. Um, and then once we've looked at the head and brain, we work our way down and we look at baby's little heart and check that it's on the correct side of the body. Then we look at baby's little stomach because we can see that baby drinks the amniotic fluid, it goes down into the stomach, baby swallows it, it filters down, goes through the kidneys, then down to the bladder, baby pees it out and drinks it again, which is not very glamorous. So <laughs> on, you'd be able to see that in the scan, that the systems are working? Yeah, so we can see that the systems are working. So you can see baby drink and then you can see the stomach bubble. So you can see the fluids in the stomach. And you're also checking that the stomach sits under the diaphragm. So it shows us there isn't what's called um, a, a diaphragmatic hernia. And then the little kidneys, 12 weeks, sometimes a little bit early to see the kidneys, but certainly by 13, 14 weeks. And then you can see the bladder. So that's how you know that system works. So that's really sweet. That's so fascinating. Um, then we can check for the hands and the feet and check in the alignment of the, of the feet and the ankles to check there's no condition such as club foot. And then we look at the little hands and we like to see a nice outstretched hand that there's the correct number of fingers. The fingers aren't clenched and there's no overlapping fingers. And that can exclude some of the really severe chromosomal conditions such as Edwards syndrome and Patel syndrome. So as much as it's really sweet to get a nice little outstretched hand as a picture, it's also really important to us sonographers. We do a nice measurement from head to bottom. And that lets us know that you're nice and in keeping with your dates. And at that point, we might change your dates by a couple of days or so. And um, the other thing that we do, which is everyone knows that they're going to their 12-week scan for, is if you wish to have screening for Down syndrome, Edwards syndrome and Patel syndrome, we measure some fluid, which is present at the back of the baby's neck. It's called the nuchal translucency. And it's only there between... 11 weeks and 6 days and 13 weeks and 6 days of pregnancy. So it's a little bit of fluid, it's part of embryological development and if there's an increased amount of this fluid at the back of the baby's neck then it can increase the likelihood of there being a chromosomal condition present such as Down syndrome, Edwards syndrome or Patel syndrome. So if that measurement comes up at the bigger end of the scale that can mean that a bit later on you might receive a high probability result back from a combined test. So with the nuchal translucency, you know, you've talked about this window so what happens once you're past that 14 plus six days, was it? Um, 13 and six. 13 right. plus um, six so days. It, it's only relevant between those stages because it's only present at that stage of embryological development. If you're having a scan later on, then we measure the thickness of the skin at the back of the baby's neck. But it's not as good a marker when you're looking for chromosomal conditions. So if you miss your window of opportunity for whichever reasons um, to have your, your combined test, then the NHS would offer you a quadruple test, which is a, another blood test which screens for Down syndrome, Edwards syndrome and Patel syndrome. Or you could have a non-invasive prenatal test, which is the latest, most advanced screening for, for Downs, Edwards and Patels. With the NHS screening, the combined test and the quadruple test, the positive predictive value is quite low between five to fifteen percent and what that means is for every hundred high probability results that they give to people I would only expect five to fifteen of babies to actually be affected by the condition they've been told their high probability for so that's really worth knowing as well for when you get your results back if it did come back as a high probability for a condition that does not mean that your baby has a condition it means that more investigations need to be done if you so wish and you were saying that you know you you love to see that open hand and so you're already getting quite a good inclination about how this pregnancy is going at that 12 weeks and so there can be lots of positives or sadly negatives that you can take from that scan that maybe when you're waiting for the blood tests to come back you can already see 
whether this looks like it's going all right. There's many positives that can be taken from the ultrasound scan baby's head and brain anatomy being developed well because many of these things once they're there at 12 weeks they're just going to develop well um, th- there's many things that you can exclude such as conditions to do with the head and brain early on um, so those things once, once they're normal they remain normal so there's lots of things which obviously develop in baby from then onwards but it's really good to do we, we like to do what we call an early anatomy scan at 12 weeks so we check baby in as much detail as we possibly can there's lots of adjustments that happen between then and development after that but it's really nice the ultrasound machines just get better and better we get trained more and more so it's a really exciting time to be an ultrasound and, um, and we really enjoy it so I like once we've done the scan the risk of miscarriage once you get your results back it's less than one percent which is really reassuring. And that's just by a baby measuring exactly what it should be measuring, stretching and wiggling. I'm always obsessed with babies stretching and wiggling and these outstretched hands, as I say, but just even a baby, a baby doesn't have many things to do, but just doing the things that it has to do reassures me that a baby's well and developing well. So just having a little stretch and a wiggle, stretching the legs out, stretching the arms out, they they get up to a lot of activity in there that you don't realise that they're up to. God, it's so lovely seeing you talking about it and you look like you get so much joy out of these moments with these, you know, expecting mothers and And I can only imagine people, I've been that person, you will know the sex of the baby or get a good idea uh, the sex of the baby in that 12 weeks. However, you are usually offered, if you want to find out the gender, at 20 week scan. Would the parents be able to spot the significant parts in a 12-week scan or is it really a sonographer could only really find that? If the image is correct and it's and you're in the right position, then people should be able to see if they've done a bit of a Google, you know, done a bit of a bit of a training in ultrasound by Google, then they, they should be able to see it. But it's if we're in the right position for them to see it. But honestly, these men, they often think the leg or the umbilical cord, they're like, I, I knew it, I knew it, it's a boy. And it's often a very different piece of anatomy. <laughs> so these chaps are very proud of themselves. <laughs> but the baby has what's called a little nub so it points out in a little straight line and if it's a little girl it stays poking out in a straight line and if it's a little boy it goes up in the air so um but sort of 11 or 12 weeks they can still be poking out straight but then yeah then they go up <laughs> so but a bit later on more like your sort of 16 weeks or your 20 weeks then you can actually see a little scrotum and penis rather than a little, the nub bit so but people are always come in and they say oh they ask me the heart rate and they're like because of these old wives tales about the heart rate and and I the heart rate changes throughout the day and it changes throughout the pregnancy. So I, I would really like to know what this heart rate means, but it's all fun and it's sweet and it's nice. And it, you know, there's not many surprises left in life. So it's nice to, it's nice to have all the guessing. And then regarding anything else, um, regarding you will be able to spot where the placenta is attached. Yes. So the placenta at 12, 13 weeks um, can be quite significant just in the sense of managing expectations as to when you'll start to feel a baby move. Um, So the sonographer might not be able to tell you whether it's high or low with regards to the delivery of a baby, but letting you know whether it's at the front or the back of the womb can be really nice to manage your expectations. If the placenta is attached to the front of the womb, it just means that when the little embryo implanted, that's where it's snuggled in and and stuck to. Um, Then you probably won't feel baby move until around 21 weeks. Whereas if the placenta is developed on the back wall, then you start to feel baby between 16 and 18 weeks. And that can be particularly important, one, if you're nervous, and two, if you've had a previous pregnancy where you felt baby move sooner rather than later you'd have the same expectation for the next pregnancy so it's just nice to know um, if the if the placenta's at the front or the back it has no other bearing on anything else at that stage but just your your expectation as to when you'll feel baby move so it's nice to know for peace of mind. K 
Kate Richardson, that's been so fascinating hearing from a sonographer. Thank you so much for all your expertise and, uh, and just that massive smile on your face as you talk about the job that you do. Oh, thank you. I, I must. It's such a privilege to do the job. And many people come in and they say, oh, well, you see them all day long. But getting to tell someone that their baby's healthy and normal and that there's a lovely heartbeat, that never grows old. So there's never too many of those that you can do. Oh, so. that's so lovely to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jess McMicking and Kate Richardson for joining us on this episode. I hope you found that helpful and we'd absolutely love it if you fancied leaving a review just to let us know how we're doing and to share this if you fancy with some of your other pregnant friends. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com